the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. This is a show where I help you become an even more awesome driving instructor and potentially run a better driving school. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook. I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen because today we've got another one of those very special shows for you where I'm joined by six trainers who are taking six questions. Now I'm joined by five of the usual rabble that come along, but unfortunately I've had to spot Bob Morton out. But fortunately I've got Kev Field in who does a cracking job. So I'm sure you get a lot from this episode, as always, really insightful. But just before we get stuck in, I want to give you a shout out to go and click subscribe. Wherever you're listening, make sure you click subscribe so it drops into your feed whenever we release a new episode. And just a little nudge, check out the Instructor Podcast on Spotify. I'm loving what Spotify are doing with new features and we can get chapters over there and all kinds of cool stuff. So if you're not using Spotify already, well worth checking it out. But for now, Let's get stuck into the show. Today on the Instructor Podcast, I am joined by six of the best trainers in the whole wide world. We have, however, swapped out Bob Morton for Kev Field. So I will let you, all of the listeners, decide whether that is an upgrade or a downgrade. And uh, you can vote after the show, I think. You can vote. I'll put a poll up. That can be the Spotify poll. Upgrade or downgrade. No humiliation intended either way. Um, but yes, I'm joined by six of my ADI Avengers, and they are going to be tackling six questions, some of which have been sent in and some of which are my own creation. But as always, I am going to throw a little curveball to begin with and give them a question that they haven't had the opportunity to see. And I want zero context and zero clarification for this question. So are you a better driver, driving instructor, or driving instructor trainer? And I want one answer with no context. I'm going to start with you, Neil. Are we a better driver, driving instructor, or driving instructor trainer? I would say better driving instructor trainer. Emma? Driving instructor trainer. Kev? Driver. Lee? Driver. Chris? None of the above. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take, <laughs> I'll take that. And Phil? Trainer. Fascinated by those answers, and as always, annoyed myself by not wanting any context. So, but let's move on to the first question. And this question was thrown in as a last minute entry by me because, as of recording today, the PCS, which is the public and something services, I don't know, have announced that examiners are likely to be striking soon with over 90% of members, uh, 90% of members that voted, voting for strike actions. So the question I'm going to put to you guys is, should they be striking and how can ADIs prepare their students? And you can interpret that question however you want. Should they be striking and how can ADIs prepare their students? So I'm going to ask you first, Neil. <laughs> so should they be striking? Uh, they've probably got a reason for striking, but that's down to them. All we can do is prepare our students in the same way as we've been doing for the test delay and covering the strikes from before. I think there's we've just got to ride it out and see what happens, to be quite honest. Don't know what else we can do. We can't intervene with it. We can't get 
involved in it, so just let it ride it out. Okay, and the same question to you, Emma. Should they be striking, and how can we work with our students? Should they be striking? I don't think that's really our thing, question to answer, um, purely because we've got our outside perspective of their job, the same as they've got their outside perspective of our job. Um, you know, so to understand fully whether they need to strike is is on them. Um, from the position of our students, I think it's been a battle since 2020, hasn't it? So for, for driving tests, to be fair, we won one thing or another. So I think it's just carry on with what we're doing, prepare them for it. Um, and I think communicate, I think it's the biggest thing because if we don't communicate to people, that's where it's going to start to go wrong. Excellent. And I'm going to come to you, Kev, for your first contribution. So if you could talk in a Geordie accent and insult the DVSA, that would be awesome. <laughs> Can I do all the above, but not that? Because <laughs> I, I think, you know, when you talk about strikes, people don't do this lightly. Um, from my background, um, they've probably got a reason to do that. It's the last resort normally that strike action is taken. And we, I don't really know what they're striking for. It's the, the terms and conditions, and they want to change the working um, ways, I suppose, is what a way of putting it. So but I agree with them. If they've got a reason, you know, there's obviously a reason for them to do it. How do you prepare your students? Well, you just do what you normally do. Tell them in advance. Make them aware of what might happen so they don't turn up on the day. And, and then it's a big shock. You know, it might happen. We don't know who's striking. We don't know what's going on. So just prepare them as much as you can, but tell them. You know, we can communicate, and the DVSA obviously need to communicate with us. Right. 60 seconds. Look yeah. at that. I'm pretty good, isn't I? Yeah, you're, you're welcome back. We'll make it seven for seven. Oh, it's too complicated. Lee, <laughs> same question for you. Should there be striking? And uh, how can we prepare students? Um, yeah, absolutely, they should. Um, like everyone else has said, they've got their reasons for change. And if you can force through the change that you want, then absolutely you should do what you need to do. Um, uh, sometimes that's the last resort, isn't it, in our country? Um, um, in terms of what we should do with our students, like everyone else has said, it's just a case of communicating out. And I, they tend to, you know, when they do this, they tend to say, turn up and maybe your examiner will be on strike and maybe they won't. Um, so sometimes I don't think it's helpful to sort of tell the students that maybe the test will go ahead and maybe it won't. Uh, in the past, I found it better just to sort of let's just see how it goes um, because I don't want them to be distracted by maybe not doing the test and maybe doing the test and, you know, let's just turn up and see what happens. And sometimes I've done that and the whole gates to the test centre have been shut. Uh, and sometimes our examiner wasn't on a strike and everyone else's were. So just turn up and see how you get on. Excellent. Two time limits reached already. That's good. Uh, Chris, same question to you. Um, yeah, so I, I think absolutely the Public and Commercial Services Union, just to help you out, um, should strike um, if they feel it's appropriate to do so, because we don't know. What we do know is trying to get change from the DVSA is challenging. Um, so I think in a way we should recognise that they're probably facing the same issues as, as we are for, from, from that kind of movement perspective. Um, it's really difficult when it's the pupil that's affected. But you know, we, we want 
good, happy examiners that are doing a good job. And I think we need to support support that. So it's regional. It depends on your local test centre and who gets affected. But absolutely, I think, you know, we, we need to be recognising that that need for for action if if they're feeling that strongly and they're the ones that are going to suffer then then we need to be you know acknowledging that and, and not blaming the staff rather than the DBSA and remembering the difference between the two same question to you Phil uh yes I think they should be striking if uh if nothing else but because they voted for it and that's how democracy works. Um, and if they believe they should be, they absolutely should be. And I think as instructors, we should be supporting them because we want them out there being able to do a good job. Um, I think from a point of view of your pupils, communication, just make sure they know what's going on. Um, I agree with Lee, where you don't necessarily want them in the mindset that they might not take a test. So I think you need to work with your pupil to make them aware that they might take their test and therefore let's go planning to take a test maybe as an idea actually if you get there and they haven't and and you don't have a test is is do a mock test um with, with them instead so that they they're in the mindset that they're going to do some sort of test whether it's the real one or a mock one and and that might get them in the might the right frame of mind oh and uh you guys know and anyone listening know that i rarely give any kind of opinion on this i sit back and let you guys do it but i'm gonna on this one because i fully agree this should be striking if that's what they voted for and over 50 percent of members did take part in the vote with over 90 percent voting to strike which is quite over uh, quite comprehensive especially when you consider we struggle to get more than five percent of people voting in our industry so um yeah fair enough and uh, i am in contact and i've been in contact with the pcs today uh, and we're hoping to get someone on the show soon to find out a bit more which will be quite cool but let's move on because i want to move to the second question which is what changes would you make to the uk driving test and we're coming to you first on this one emma what changes would you make to the uk driving test um i've been pondering this one so the only one i pondered actually i think the only changes that i would make is that it starts the, the the driving test starts in the test centre where the examiner gets to see some sort of log or some sort of overview of that student's um, progress to this point. How have they got there? Um, and other than that, I actually like the driving test. I think it includes a lot of real life stuff since we've gone to like sat now following signs. Um, and more realistic manoeuvres. So that would be the only thing I would change. Good stuff. And same question to you, Kev. What changes would you make to the UK driving test? I suppose I'm going to be controversial, but I would like to see it longer. Up to an hour minimum. But I'd also like to see in an ideal world that they're retested in two years' time. I think that's totally out there, never going to happen, but I would love to see it brought in. You know, I, I just think the 38 or 35, 40 minutes, whatever it is at the moment, it could be quite easy. Make it an hour, but then they also know they're going to get retested in two years' time. Or should I say reassessed? I'm, I'm liking these answers. 
Uh, Lee, what changes would you make to the driving test? Um, I think when I when I was kind of looking at this, my, my mind went to what can be done to make it so fewer bad drivers slip through the net and, and are granted access to our roads. Um, and I think a lot of that falls on our shoulders before they arrive on the test, you know, sort of creating drivers who think right and, and therefore drive right. Um, but in terms of the test itself, I'd, I'd, I'd lower the amount of faults allowed. Um, <laughs> I know that's going to be controversial, but the standard should be higher. 15 is is pathetic. Um, people aim for a minimum standard when you give them 15 faults. Um, I'd like to see learners starting at 16, but not being able to pass the test until the 17. And, and that would create less urgency. So you, you wouldn't rush through your training. There'd be less point to do so, uh, more reflection time in between so more learning in between um and i'd also make uh retesting compulsory um i'd say first one after 12 months and then every five years uh to keep standards up and catch out those who fluke through it and i think it would keep tabs on the aging drivers who might be losing their abilities to see and react so sort of like a standards check system if you fail three times you lose your license until you uh, start again and pass again snuck in extra 10 seconds there but we'll we'll let you off because uh a second one for retesting. Uh, Chris, are you going to uh, carry the same thoughts for any of those? Or have you got anything new to add around changes for the driving test? I'd initially ban ADIs from focusing on it. Um, that would be my first step <laughs> uh, because then we're not worried about what the test is. It's irrelevant. Um, I'd move it to 18, which we should have done at the uh, end of COVID, and it would have made roads safer and we wouldn't have a waiting list. I would um, I'd, I'd change the theory heavily um, and make it up to date, relevant, and you know, and and change the focus there. I would also go for a graduated system, so there was some form of follow up afterwards, um, possibly using insurance companies or something like that to do it though, rather than testing because they can't manage what they've got. Um, and then standardization of routes so that you can't have the there's a local thing you need to know to pass it here approach. So examiners actually step in at that point. Um, and I probably reduce the number of faults down, the accumulative faults down to 10 instead of having them at 15. I think. I'm impressed, but not surprised you managed to get the theory test wedged in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> Phil, same question to you. So I'm going to agree with Kev. I think it should be longer. I think it should be an hour long assessment, not a test. And I think we should scrap faults full, full stop and make it more of a competency based assessment, a little bit like the standards check in the part three, where you have to go and show that you are competent at certain skills that, that, that the DVSA can set out. Um, they can give me a ring and ask me the skills if they like. Um, but um, it's a competency base. So you're trying to show the examiner what you can do rather than trying not to make a mistake. And if you do make a mistake, you have the opportunity within the hour to go and show that you are still competent at that thing. And it was just a one-off moment. And the examiner should have discretion to be able to change the route during that hour to assess that. Um, and I think that would change the way we teach pupils as well, because we'd be looking at positives rather than, than faults. I like it. And Neil, have you got anything to add to all that? Are you very much on the same wavelength? Uh, well, a little bit different, actually, because I'd like to see it more like the part two test where it's only six faults. I would like to see them bring back all the manoeuvres. So left reverse, right reverse, turning the road and all that. And add another one in, putting a U-turn in as well. 
so it is more real life and just adding it to a bit more longer but then i do like the fact that assessment after two years so that graduated license but also reducing the categories down that they can drive once they've passed an attest until they've been reassessed so it's just putting extra in so six faults all the maneuvers so they've got more to choose from and two in a test and then obviously just a bit more graduated stuff gently feeding them into faster cars by way of pointing up or down if i if i was able to add all of those things into the driving test for 2024 would the pass rate for 2024 be higher or lower than this year 2023 okay so listeners we've got four people saying the pass rate will go down and two are saying it would stay the same that's interesting uh might get in touch with love day i'll have a word i'll have i know she's your best mate isn't she chris <laughs> we have a relationship, yes. A relationship. That's what I said to my ex-wife recently. Um, Kev, <laughs> Kev, we are coming to you to kick off this one. And we're going to ask, what advice would you give to someone looking to go independent? And I will just say this was a question sent in by uh, someone privately that wanted to remain anonymous. So what advice would you give to someone that was looking to go independent? First off, do it. It's, it's the, the simple bit. Do it. If you're thinking about it, there's obviously a reason behind it. Um, build your network. Uh, so you have people around you. You know, when you think of franchise, um, I think it's really good because you've got a, a support there. When you go independent, you tend to lose a little bit of that. So make sure you've got a, a support network to, who can I ask? You know, if I've if I've run short of pupils one day, who can I who can I talk to that could help me out a little bit? So definitely do it. Get a support network around you. Um yeah, and start enjoying it. Working for yourself. Good stuff. Uh, same to you, Lee. What advice would you offer to someone looking to go independent? Um, I'd say look at the numbers first. Um, you know, do you rely on your franchise to generate business? Um, or do you get a lot of customers through word of mouth? Um, if the majority is through your franchise, well, what's the plan? How are you going to replace that? You know, are you going to plan on advertising? You know, how much is that going to cost? Um, how much is it going to cost to advertise and rent or buy a car and tax it and insure it and service it and get replacement glass and tires? And look at those numbers and ask yourself at the end, is it worth it? Uh, if it's worth it, then do it. If it's going to add stress, if you feel stressed already and it may have been, it might not be worth it, but I think everyone's different, aren't they? So whatever works for you, then it works for you. But, you know, my advice would be, you know, if you want to do it and do it, um, if you don't like it, you can go back, can't you? So it's, it's not the end of the world either way. It's not a lot of risk. Um, but like it's been said already, if you're thinking about doing it, there's reasons why. Um, so try it, see how it goes, see how you get on. And if you don't like it, then go back. Chris. Um, don't do it unless you're certain that it's the the whole franchise picture or being independent, you know, whether it's that that binary choice, because actually not all franchises are the same. Um, so firstly, I would I would definitely consider what you don't like and what you're not happy with. And is there another option out there? Because we need to compare those options to to see if we're getting it right. Um, if you do decide that you want to leave, be really honest with yourself about what you're crap at and then put strategies for that in place because that might be 
something that you actually think, I need a franchise of some kind in there to support those? Or can I get other solutions in there in there in its place? Um, but yeah, not, not all franchises are uh, a bad thing. I think when people say franchise, they mean national, faceless, treat you like a commodity franchise. And I know at least you know a, a couple of people that don't run those. I have a very long list of things I'm bad at. It's why I get you guys on these calls so I can pretend people have sent me these questions and ask them the questions that I've been pondering. Phil, Phil, what would you so, advice would you give to someone? I'm going to uh, fully echo what Chris said. Um, I, that was basically my answer I had written down. Um, was yeah, ask yourself: Is it that franchise you 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 want to leave, or is it you actually want to go solo? Maybe because you've got plans for for ahead. Um, and and make the decision based on that because not all franchises are the same. If it is you want to go solo because maybe you've got grander plans and you want to um, expand um, or just for whatever reason you want to go solo, I would say um, invest in yourself and make sure you are continuously improving so that you don't get left behind and caught up um, stagnating basically and I would probably suggest that when you first start that you invest in business things um, rather than driving instructor things. Um, and sorry, Terry, I can't see the clock on that one. So I just carried on talking. There, there may have been someone accidentally forget to press a button there. But either way, <laughs> I think it was less than 60 seconds. So we're, we're all good. Um, uh, I know a thing to add to the list of things I'm crap at. Uh, Neil. <laughs> what, what, yeah, what was I, the question? I, Whatever the question was, answer it. <laughs> I, I, I think you've got to look at uh, look at your franchise that you're in, decide whether it's something you really want to be in or you want to move out of it. And if you do, make sure you've looked at the business side of the running a business. You know, no, don't just jump into it and just explain because running a driving school is a business. Uh, I would also tag myself around a person that you feel really comfortable and could trust and be a mentor for you, but also be part of local associations to have that support network as well. But mainly it is what the guys have been saying, you know, not all franchises are bad. Some are there for help and support and some are there for the other types of things that they want to do corrupt you and get your money. But there we go. But it's all about you and it's what you feel and how you feel you're going to improve yourself. Uh, the next question is, which franchises are out there to corrupt and take your money? Uh, well, uh, is that because it's yours, Chris, that you're putting your hand up there? No, I've got a list. Right, OK. <laughs> is it is it longer or shorter than the things I'm crap at? I, it, we're getting it. I'm not good at maths. I yes. can't get that high. <laughs> Emma, what advice would you offer? Um, I think reiterating a lot of what's been said, really, I think really consider why you're leaving the franchise. Um, what is it that that franchise is offering? What are they not offering? Is that available with a different one? Um, or is it you do, you know, you do want to go independent and you want to start doing it for yourself? I think one of the things is if they're, they're considering that right now um, is that we're quite a busy industry right now. And to think outside the box that at some point, you know, that we will decline it won't be this busy forever you know it, it's it just makes business sense to, to forecast for quieter times too so if they're going to do that uh reiterating what the guy said about like business training and things include things like marketing 
um advertising that that type of thing because and you know and get yourself visible as much as possible even in the busy time i like it and and for the person that asked a question and for anyone listening there uh people that have answered that just say that have been independent been a franchisee run driving schools and they've given some some really awesome advice that isn't biased so uh, person listening, uh, really take that on board. I think some really good advice there. But I, I am going to move on to the next question. And I think that, uh, Lee, you may have had to change your answer to this one recently because uh, the question I'm asking you is, who on this call would you ask for help and why? Uh, um, when I read this one, I thought this is not particularly a fair question because I think everyone in this this group would, you know, I could learn so much from every single one of them because you're all awesome. Um everyone I suppose would expect me to say Bob, uh, but he's not here, so stuff him. Um I'm gonna go with Chris. Um, not just because I enjoy bears, but because his expertise uh regarding you know working with customers with special needs is like a an area that I think I could and probably should, you know, have a better and more extensive knowledge and understanding of. So I think working with Chris would add another string to my bow as a trainer so I could pass his great knowledge on to PDIs and make the whole world more whole. Thank you. And Chris probably understands there's a time difference between America and, and the UK. Which... <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, Chris, who on this call would you ask for help and why? I didn't understand there was a time difference between home and here, so I knew this. But um, oh, it depends what what help you want. I think that's for me. That's the thing. So if it was, you know, retirement advice, but he's not here. Um, uh, hair care, obviously, we know who to go to for that one. It, it it just depends on what you want. I think all of us will recognise we've got a specialism. Um, so um, I de- I definitely want to work with Kev. Uh, we keep saying that, and we're going to do something something there. So I'd love to work with Kev. But if I'm really really honest, it's probably Terry, um, because he does exactly that, which is. I can ask him a question and he goes, I haven't got a clue, but you should speak to this person, this person, this person, a number of which are in the room. So so that would be my answer. There you go. That, that one nice. That was unexpected. Uh, you want to come to me for help because I could send you to someone else. That, that's lovely. Uh, Phil, who would you go so, to for help on this call? It's all very lovely and Christmassy, isn't it? Everyone being nice. Uh, so I, um, I, I thought about this and I, um, so Lou, Lou was always the person I would go to for any sort of um, instructor-based training. And I think I've replaced that now with the admins from Lou's PDI group. And we and, and that's where I go for that sort of stuff. So, and everyone here is really excellent for that, but I, I just have those trusted people. So I think my answer to this, who's on this Zoom, is is who I have asked for help on this Zoom, which is what Terry for um, being able to bounce ideas off and um like business coaching sort of kind of ideas and again i go to chris for theory stuff and just general dvsa and industry knowledge and also if i just want some sort of kind of weird quirky answer to one of my questions uh, <laughs> so yeah that's that's who i go to um for for my sort of advice lovely you said me though, Phil. Do you want a bit of extra time? You know, are you okay? <laughs> you can pay me later. <laughs> Neil, same question to you. Well, that's a difficult one because I'm a sort of person I'd like to work with everybody on this call, to be quite honest. I do work with Kev and I have worked with yourself, Terry. 
And I think I've worked a little bit with Chris before in, in you know. So I like to check everybody's opinions and then analyze it and then put it into my own. So so I'm a bit of a collective. I like lots and lots of different views. I was, uh, when I first typed this question out, I edited it because at first it was which one person would you? And I thought, no, I can't be that mean. I've got to let you choose multiple. Uh, Emma, who are you working with? Um, well, I've worked with several people on this Zoom already, so that says a lot, doesn't it, which is good. Um, but I think that the same as what, you know, looking at the screen in front of me, it depends on what I want. It depends on what I'm, I'm looking for because, you know, every person here would bring something different. You know, Phil's got a small franchise school local to him, so that's similar to me. So that would be something that I would go to Phil for. Kevin, Neil, I've already worked with, uh, like, literally this week. <laughs> so, um, so audit, you know, brushing up on audit stuff. Um, Chris, obviously, for theory things. And then for training, for, for Lee, because the amount of stuff that we see with Lee and feedback that we get, he's obviously doing a good job. So, you know, everyone. And I've worked with Terry too. There's uh, a lot of love on this call tonight. I'm liking <laughs> it. It's a festive spirit for I agree. It's a festive spirit. Kev, who are you going to work with? I'm going to say, well, Chris, because he's mentioned me, and he, he was so nice with it. <laughs> but also, I'm going to say Neil, because he's, you know, he's he's definitely my partner in crime. Um, Emma, because she's just so nice, isn't she? She's just like, you know, um, I've never worked with Phil and Lee, so maybe the new year I am going to make an effort to talk to them more and see, you know, how we can help each other, because I think that is what it's all about, isn't it? You know, whatever I ask, I'm going to be able to answer back and, you know, just get some info from both sides. And, Terry, I'm always going to be working with you. So, <laughs> Well, well, that's lovely. And, and from my well, point... I've got, I've got to say Bob. I've got to say Bob as well, because he's given me this opportunity. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm working with Bob as well, because um, he's a really nice person as well. We might keep you, Kevin. We'll swap all. someone else out every time and move you around. But, <laughs> but no, I, I think you're all awesome. I love working with you all. And I think I've worked with everyone on this call in one way or another. But I've only been in the house of one person on this call. And that's also going to be a Spotify question. Uh, so there you go. Um, next question. And we're going to start with you with this one. Uh, Chris, who on this call would you refuse to work with? No. Uh, how do you explain <laughs> the pull-up on the right manoeuvre? And have you found a way to relate to everyday driving? Now, this was a question on my Facebook group, and I've completely forgotten who sent it, and I've gone to write down, so apologies. But how do you explain the pull-up on the right manoeuvre, and have you found a way to relate it to everyday driving? Yes, um, you are picking up a curry. You pull up on the right-hand side to go and pick it up. And when you come out, there's a lorry in front of you you can't see down the road. So what are you going to do to deal with the lorry? Reverse back so you get a better view and then safely move on to the correct side of the road and carry on your journey. So, you know, you just imagine the invisible lorry as a visible lorry, because otherwise that wouldn't make sense. Um, and then you deal with deal with the hazard that could that could be there. It makes it probably the most real-life, genuine manoeuvre out of the test. Bill, what about you? Pretty much the same, although mine's not picking up a curry, mine's going to the shop. Uh, but um, yeah, so and actually, I would probably expand that a little bit and and go to the shops and put the shops on the right hand side 
and pull over by the shops so it feels real um and then with the lorry thing go and find a van or a lorry pull up behind it and make them reverse back until they can see um like create these scenarios make it real um yeah so i think that's it really just like make it real maybe go to their friend's house and but make sure you're coming down the road so it's on the right and then actually ask them the question like which side of the road would you pull over on this now would you pull over on the left and cross the road or would you pull over on the right um or drive down a road where pulling over on the right seems to be what everyone's doing and and then bring that into the conversation so yeah just put them in those like forget about the driving test just put them in the scenarios where they need to pull over on the right um and then put them in the scenarios where they have to reverse because they can't see i um had a student the other day that said to me she, she'd never seen me as excited because i'd seen a skip and i well we'll drive along and i got ridiculously excited because i could get <laughs> to parallel park around it and she's like i've never seen anyone as happy as you when you'd seen this skip <laughs> there you go uh neil um pull up on the right how do you explain it and how do you relate it to everyday driving yeah, the same sort of thing, really. It's just use an house that they would think was their mates or pull up outside their mates. Just get them to think it's a right turn, but they're parking on the left, so using them sort of the rules. But mainly it's just putting it into real-life situations and open pray somebody's pulled up in front of you when you, you've stopped so that you can reverse back. But if not... Like you say, just find another car and pull up on the right in front of it and then just explain why they've got to reverse back and make them sh- make sure they do effective observations, you know? Same to you, Emma. Um, this one, I generally have a conversation with the student, figure out what their the life's like. So I've had, I've had um, a student who had an elderly grandma um, so we're imagining we're picking her up and her house is on the right and we don't want to walk her in the road. Um, I've had others with kids, young children, they're in the car seat on the right and you don't want to, again, be getting them out when you're in the road um, and you've got to park on the right. So I've had sort of different, bring different scenarios to different students, really, try to relate it to their life scenario of why they would need to use that side of the road and um, why the, that passenger door needs to be opened. Um, but I really do like chris's curry thing that probably would relate more likely to most of my students i make them buy the curry and then i have it later <laughs> a really nice idea kev same to you again it's scenario based isn't it i think you know real life you know put it up on the right outside friend's house um but i suppose our favorite one is be a delivery driver and you know just practice being a delivery driver and you're delivering these down the road as quick as possible what would you do and you have to go to each side of the road you have to park you have to move and nine times out of ten they even try pulling up on the path as well because that's what delivery drivers do so you know again you're just putting it into a a real life situation for me in this one Good stuff. And uh, last but by no means least, Lee. Um, I've I've probably read this a different way to everyone else. So in terms of explaining how to do it, I'd sort of, you know, we look at the the skills that we've already got in the bag, really. Like, have we done like a, have we we turned right into a side road before? And if we can do that, then, you know, how, what can we compare to that? And I suppose it works the other way around as well. If we've, if we've only done parking on the right and we've not done junctions yet, then, what skills can we use from that? 
uh, to, to make that comparison. Um, I mean, there's loads of comparisons that you can make, you know, from everyday driving, like people suggest. I mean, like everyone said, it's, I suppose you could look at it and think it's like one of those scenarios where you pull up on the right next to the shop and then you reverse back because you're blocking a driveway and then you go, nah, I don't want my shopping now. And you just go again. <laughs> so, but that isn't, that's a bit silly. But like everyone said, it's it's kind of putting it into real life scenarios. And I think a good one is asking them to pull up on, just pull up, you know, and don't say left or right and just have a road where maybe it's clearly a double yellow down the left and just see what they do. Uh, and it can create a conversation and it can create learning through that conversation. Great answer, but another 10 seconds stolen. So that's coming off your time to promote <laughs> yourself later on. Um, <laughs> but I've said it before and I'll say it again. If, if, if people only listen to one episode or one time a series around the, the podcast, it should be this. Because the fact that you've got you guys giving this incredible wisdom on most parts um i think is brilliant and i love the fact that, you know curries and kids and shops and mates house and delivery drivers and grandparents and all sorts there so yes definitely ways to put that into a real life context but we're going to move on to the, the last question of the day and probably my favorite uh, if I'm being honest. So we're coming to you, Phil, appropriately, I think, for this one. Looking at, um, you know, the only one that's made a fucking effort today. Uh, if you <laughs> delivered lessons on Christmas Day, how would you make the lessons Christmassy and fun? Well, just like this first. Um, it is definitely how I would start that lesson. Maybe a bit of Bailey's. Um, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> um, so... I was trying to think about this because I just wouldn't, so I don't know. But um, then I actually had a thought because you've got your podcast coming out with 12 Days of Christmas. So I thought we could have the 12 days of, of driving lessons and something along the and I haven't really thought this fully through, but something along the lines of during the lesson, the pupil has to kick off, tick off the 12 days of Christmas. So they have to show me 12 amazing mirror checks and, I don't know, seven brilliant move-offs and five so you know what i mean so like I, i've not got the whole list but but i think you could create a 12 days of christmas list and the pupil has to give you like show you moments of doing that and then they win a a mince pie i can just imagine like six varieties of birds in the back of your car now well, there's a joke about having six varieties of birds at the back of my car somewhere, but I'm not going to make it. Um, but I will say that, um, yes, you mentioned the 12 days of Christmas there, and that is coming up, kicking off on Christmas Day. But I feel like I should take this opportunity to clarify that is not one episode on the first day and two episodes on the second day. And it is one every day. I cannot do that many. Um, so let, let's move on to Neil. If you delivered lessons on Christmas Day, how would you make the lesson Christmassy and fun? So I'd start with this. There we go. <laughs> and if you're and not then, watching on the video, start now. <laughs> and then we would just have a great bit of fun, to be quite honest. You know, all about Christmas, a bit like Phil's just said, do certain things around the days of Christmas. But this is how I'm going to start my lessons next week. Christmas jumper, all the stuff, and a bit of tinsel across the front of the car as well. There you go. That's a Christmas day lesson. That sounds like a, a good Christmas day lesson to me. Emma, same to you. Um, well, we're going to play um, Santa and the Elves. So we've got the driver who's going to be Santa, and we're um, driving around delivering parcels to 
whoever whoever we need to deliver them to. We'll create a big long list of people um, for charitable donations, and we're going to play Santa and the elves, but they're going to be the driver. There'll be definitely be no tinsel. What? Why no tinsel? No, I'm 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 heavily against tinsel. It's evil. <laughs> heavily, <laughs> it, it hurts. It gives you a rash. It's far too colourful. No. <laughs> I'm with I mean, you. You only meant to put it on the tree. <laughs> Definitely not. It doesn't go on the tree. I've, I've heard of people not liking tinsel, but I've never heard the phrase I'm heavily against tinsel <laughs> before. <laughs> but I do like that idea, and I'm now considering working Christmas, e uh, Christmas Day to do that idea. That sounds quite fun. I'm going to... Do you know, one time on uh, when I worked at Red Dragon School, they had the, and they probably still have their own diary system, and you have to block off the days you don't want to work. But no one really kind of told me that when I started. So within a week of starting up, someone had booked Christmas Day as a lesson. And I'm like, yeah, should have thought that one through. Didn't do it. Uh, Kev, how would you make Christmas Day Christmassy on a driving lesson? Yeah, I think it's similar to Emma. Really, um, didn't really have long to think about this one. Um, but I think it's bring the Christmas spirit in there, not the alcohol one, but delivering presents to, you know, those, um, like they do with egg runs, don't they? So why not do a, a driving present motion? But then when we get there, we sing carols, maybe. Well, they can sing carols. They don't want me singing carols. Um, and then, yeah, just finish it off at the pub. Park the car, and we'll go to the pub. Yes, carols. The pub, obviously, walking home. I like it. It's all good. Uh, Lee, same to you. Um, I didn't. I didn't take this one seriously because, like, no, no money in the world would ever have me working on Christmas Day. Um, especially while my mum and dad are still kicking about. You know, it's it's a day with them. Um, I've done a test on Christmas Eve before, and my learner had like the jumper and it had antlers, uh, and it was such a fun day. Um, and he passed, and he was highly commended on both of his driving and his jumper. <laughs> They were like impressed with both. Um, all right. If I did do it, I think I'd, you know, it'd be like full fancy dress, full costume, beard, but like suitable footwear, no like mad elf shoes. Um, um, and we could play a game, you know, every time you miss a mirror, you eat a mince pie, which are gross. So they're definitely going to be really good at mirrors because you're going to get force fed something with fruit. It, oh, it's gross. Well, Part of the reason I asked you to be part of the ADA Avengers is because you're the only person that would say, yeah, I didn't take this question seriously. And <laughs> then pull out a really good answer. <laughs> Chris, go on, finish us off with some Christmas spirit. I did make an effort. I grew a beard, so I looked like Santa. Um, well, it went grey, so you look like Santa. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I, firstly, it's got to start in a Santa outfit, hasn't it? Um, but I, I've, I've done Boxing Day and I've done... Oh, I stopped doing Christmas Eve because they're just stupidly dangerous because everyone's mental. Um, but I would, yeah, go out. We'd have loads of Christmas songs going. Um, there'd be hardly anyone on the road that we want to go near. So we'd, we, we'd, you know, just go and have a good drive round um, and enjoy the fact it's Christmas and we're having a bit of fun. And hopefully during that, there's some nice productive learning that goes on. But I don't know what it's going to be because I'm not there with that pupil yet. And I will do a focus on exactly what's good for that <laughs> At that moment in time, and not pre-plan the lesson. 
I was working on Christmas Day, I would 100% do what I wanted and not the pupil. And it would very likely be day parking because that seems like a really good lesson for Christmas Day. Um, but but yes, yeah, so, so, it has tempted me now. Maybe I should, I should uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day, I might open my diary up. All right, so um, we get to finish with the, the my favourite one that we, we always do. So I'm going to start with you again on this one, Phil. Do you want to take a moment to tell people why you're awesome and where they can find you. Um, oh, why am I awesome? I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> um, I'm awesome because I invest in myself and put do lots of CPD. Um, and on that note, I am starting on the 1st of January a new um, venture with Diana Todd and Dekali and McGregor Sims um, called Inspire Instructor Training. Um, and CPD is exactly what that's going to be. And it's going to be continuous CPD because it's going to be a monthly subscription membership where we continuously provide you with CPD in the form of training videos and Zoom sessions and a an exclusive um, Facebook group for, for the Inspirationals, which is going to be our members' names. Um, and so you can find us on Facebook at Inspire Instructor Training um, or inspireinstructortraining.com. Good stuff. Uh, so, Neil, why are you awesome and where can people find you? Uh, so I'm awesome because uh, I wrote a book for all the ADIs and PDIs out there. Uh, I also deliver continuous CPD for instructors and PDIs out there. And obviously, I work with Kev doing the Audit Academy, which provides more CPD for for ADIs and people wanting to improve themselves. But uh, just generally, they can find me through LinkedIn, Facebook, go to my website, and uh, I'm sure they'll find my book really awesome and they'll keep, keep subscribing to it. I didn't know you'd wrote a book, Neil. Kept that to yourself <laughs> quite well. Um, Emma, <laughs> sorry, I made my children laugh now. Uh, Emma, why are you awesome and where can people find you? Well, you know, I'll never say I'm awesome because that's just not who I am. But I'm working on it. So, and that's the biggest thing I'm working on. it. I'm always working on it. Um, so, pretty much the same as these other guys, continuously working on myself. And I will always encourage those around me to do the same. I'm also here to support the, those that surround me to do the same. You know, my uh, inbox is always open for whoever has any questions. Um, I also work with learner drivers in a different way because I'm also a journal therapist. So I can work with them from a therapy position so we can work on things that even they might not know. Um, and this comes through from the learner driver logbook. So you can find me either through Facebook or Instagram um, through the learner driver logbook or just as myself. If you believe that Emma Cotterton is awesome, please raise your hands. <laughs> there you go. Um, and another reason why Emma is awesome is because she is going to present an expert session for me in January. I can't remember the date. And she is going to be um, one of the uh, presenters on the second Megana. So there you go. Uh, so the 11th is your date. <laughs> There we go. Uh, it's a good job someone's aware of this stuff. Um, it's written on a scrap of paper somewhere. Um, Kev Field, why are you awesome and where can people find you? I'm awesome, or am I? But I work in partnership with a lot of people. Neil being one of them, he's mentioned the Audit Academy, so instructor training, PDI training. But also confident drivers with my wife. 
So she's probably the most awesome one out of the two of us. And we do lots of stuff where it's stress, nerves, anxiety, how to reduce it, how it helps you, tips and techniques. Um, to do lots of different things, really. And this year we've got our six-week drive calm course, and hopefully it's going to be made a qualification. <laughs> so, yeah, breaking is, news. Is that an exclusive, Kev? It could be an exclusive. There's not yeah. many people know. Do I need to edit it? <laughs> can I leave it? <laughs> We've passed some hurdles. We're almost there. Oh, I'll let you check with Tracy first and get back to me. Uh, <laughs> Lee, uh, Lee. Or, or in, Chris can, one of the two. It's fine. In, in, for, <laughs> um, in 40 seconds, uh, do you want to tell us why you're awesome and where can people find you? But you can take an extra 20 seconds to tell people about the free expert sessions you're doing for me next year. Um, yes, I am uh, looking forward to the expert sessions next year. That's something uh, that's in my diary now. Looking forward to that. Um, I'd say awesomeness is probably rising. Um, I still don't think I'm as awesome as I can be, but I'm, I'm progressing that as we go along. Um, people can find me on um, adidoctor.co.uk and pdidoctor.co.uk. The twins are still kicking around um on old social medias and stuff um google will probably tell you to you know do you mean spray if you type my name into google but it will correct it for you eventually um and yeah i'm kind of here to help people um i help a lot of people that are on their final attempt at standard shekel part three um i've been there uh, i know exactly how what you're going through especially over christmas so if you want my help, then I can do that for you and we can get through it together. If they type in at Lee Blackburn Rovers Sperry, will that take you more directly? It will correct it to Lee Blackburn Rovers Football Club Sperry for my four middle names. There you um, go. But yes, it will take you to the bloody Sky Sports <laughs> and the local paper. <laughs> and, and what I will say, actually, is thinking back to our first six for 60, your answer was very different. Then you were very self-deprecating and you were like, oh, who am I to be on here? But now you're full of the joys of spring and confidence and it's a pleasure to see. So speaking of people that are full of the joys of spring and confidence and a pleasure to see, Chris, why are you awesome and where can people find you? Um, well, some call me a flat earther, but others call me a heretic. Um, I, I, like, I like going against what everybody does and saying why. Why are we doing that? Should we be doing it? Um, and, you know, just challenging things a bit. So I think the industry needs more of that. We we follow what the DVSA does too often. So so that's, yeah, that's probably, I don't know if I'd use the word awesome. Um, you know, it's a bit American. Um, and people can find me on the ditc.co.uk for the signposting platform for the industry. They can find me on Theory Test Explained on Facebook and most other social medias, um, TikTok included. So if you want to send your pupils some videos that are educational about driver training, check out TikTok and Instagram and uh, tap into that because I'd love to work with more and more instructors. And on a completely unrelated note, my car came up with an alert today, a genuine alert that I had never seen before that said, do not depress the uh, the gas pedal whilst the vehicle is stationary. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen that before. When you were moving, you told it it wasn't nearly as good as the clutch or the brake. Yeah. It's good advice, to be fair. But... Um, <laughs> 
And yeah, maybe we'll make that a question for the live session in March. Speaking of which, uh, the next uh, six for sixty will be live on Drive Instructor Day, which <laughs> please someone nod or shake the head, which I'm fairly confident is on March the sixteenth, and it's a Saturday, and we're probably doing it live at seven thirty, and it's very probably going to be on the Instructor Podcast Facebook page. All that stuff. So if you're listening, make sure you go and check that out in three months' time. But uh, for now, thank you guys for joining me for the three that we've done this year. Thank you, Kev, for joining me for the one you've done this year. Welcome edition. Um, maybe we'll make it the seventh. Oh, that's too complicated again. But yeah, thank you guys for, for joining me today. It's been brilliant and for the others this year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. So big thank you to those guys there. First of all, to Chris Benstead, Phil Cowley, Lee Sperry, Neil Whiteman, and indeed Emma Cottington. Those guys have done the all three of the six for 60 so far, and Bob Moore's done the previous two. And I'm really grateful that they've given up their time to come and record with me and record for you, because ultimately it's you, the guys that are listening to it. And I just hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Big thank you to Bob Morton as well, who's done the previous two. Bob's always a great, great guest to have on and really insightful. So, yeah, big thank you. And last but not least, Big thank you to Kev Field, who stepped in at the last minute. Literally, we're recording at six o'clock, and Kev responded to my text at five o'clock to come on and fill up Bob's big hole. So, yeah, big thank you to all those guys for their contributions. And there's just so much wisdom in these shows, so much wisdom. Sometimes we're getting disagreements, sometimes we're getting different opinions, and sometimes everyone's agreeing. And I kind of like the mixture. And going forward, these are going to continue. I don't know whether they're going to be twice yearly or whether they're going to be quarterly. I don't know whether they're going to swap people in now or just stick to the same core bunch, but we're definitely going to do more going forward. And as I mentioned at the end of the show, yeah, check out the live recording on March the 16th. We are going to be recording the fourth edition of 6 for 60 live on March the 16th, which is Driving Instructor Day. And as a special treat, it's going to be live on the Instructor Podcast Facebook page. So make sure when we're coming to March the 16th, you're checking that out. And all that's left for me to do is thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate listening, and I appreciate the feedback you give me on this episodes. So remember, let's just keep raising standards. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Still listening? That's because you're awesome and handsome. <laughs>